Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. We're now streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and TuneIn, in addition to Blueberry SoundCloud, and at our website, www.vhha.com. You can also hear episodes of the podcast each Saturday at 11 a.m. on WJFN 100.5 FM in the Richmond area. Please listen and give us a five-star review. You can also send questions, comments, or feedback to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. Again, that's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. With that bit of housekeeping out of the way, joining us today is Bonnie Price, the Administrative Director of Community Health Advocacy at Bon Secours Health System. More than 25 years ago, Bonnie helped establish what is now known as the Bon Secours Forensic Nursing Program. She is a doctor of nurse practice, a mentor and instructor to nurses and law enforcement personnel on attending to people who have been sexually assaulted, impacted by domestic violence, and who have survived human trafficking. And I can say this from personal observation, Bonnie is a trailblazing force of nature. With that introduction, welcome to the program, Bonnie. Thank you, Julian. So we mentioned a moment ago that you helped establish the Bon Secours Forensic Nursing Program in the 1990s. Not everyone knows what the specialized work of forensic nursing involves. So if you would, can you give people some insight into your professional world and the types of patients that forensic nurses uh, help treat, often under circumstances in which patients can be both physically and emotionally traumatized? Be glad to. So the forensic nurse, the definition of forensic nursing is where healthcare and the law intersect. So forensic nurses take care of patients who report to the hospital who have been victims of crime as well as, in some cases, suspects or uh, offenders of crime. And so that can be patients who have been victims of sexual assault, domestic violence, elder abuse. We have started doing a lot of work with human trafficking as well as patients who report strangulation. So again, it's any patient that comes to a healthcare facility that has some legal component to it, a forensic nurse uh, would be a good option for helping to care for that patient. And Bon Secours has one of the oldest and longest running uh, forensic nursing programs of this type, certainly in this area and, and perhaps beyond that. For the perspective of people who are listening to this, can you share some statistics about the number of patients, both adult and pediatric, that the Bon Secours Forensic Unit examined last year and perhaps some of the types of reasons for which they were admitted for care? Absolutely. So the program is on its 26th year, so we have been around for quite a bit of time. Last year, we saw almost 2,500 calls for service. About 45% of those are pediatric patients or under the age of 18, uh, and the rest being adults. We also served 42 different cities, counties, and towns across Virginia. So patients came to us from quite a distance away to receive forensic nursing care. As difficult as I imagine it must be for the patients who forensic nurses encounter, I have to imagine that it can also take an emotional toll on the clinicians and caregivers who, by virtue of the patient population they attend to, are exposed to some pretty horrific examples of human cruelty and brutality. How does someone who does this job, you and your colleagues and others, manage the toll of this important but emotionally difficult work? It's something that we have to uh, keep a really close eye on with our staff. Vicarious trauma uh, affects 
all healthcare providers. I think it especially affects forensic nurses. We do a great deal of trauma-informed care training, and that trauma-informed care training not only applies to our patients, but also to our staff. And we try to develop ways to help our staff be resilient. They talk with each other about some of their more difficult experiences. Of course, they can't speak to outside individuals about their experiences, so they have to share with the team. But the, there's a lot of team building that's done to help everybody cope with the, with the difficult work. And this is, we mentioned, a specialized um, area of nursing. So if someone is interested in a career in this specialized area, I would imagine they, they have to go to nursing school first. But then is there separate training to become a forensic nurse, and what does that entail? It depends on what type of forensic nursing a nurse is interested in going into. So there are clinical forensic programs like ours that are primarily hospital-based, Um, There are forensic nurses who work in death investigation, in corrections, in psychiatry, and out in the community. So there's a a number of types of forensic nurses, but I would suggest that one of the best ways to learn more about forensic nursing is going to the website for our professional organization, and that organization is the International Association of Forensic Nurses. If you type in forensic nurses on Google, you'll you'll find the IFN's website. So I think that's a good resource to learn the basics of forensic nursing. There's also state chapters for forensic nurses. So find a forensic nurse in your area or in your state and give them a call and learn more about what the role is. I think the experience that you have really will depend on what type of job you pursue. And since you mentioned uh, the organization that represents forensic nurses, I will toot your horn for you. In 2014, if I'm not mistaken, you were actually given, uh, I I called you a trailblazer earlier, you were actually given a a career achievement award by that organization. Is that correct? I was. Thank you. (laughs) In the name of uh, full disclosure, I should note that uh, I met you, Bonnie, through work on the issue of human trafficking. Bonnie, in fact, is the inspiration for the ongoing VHHA Human Trafficking Task Force, which involves forensic nurses and other hospital staff from around the Commonwealth who are working to develop a set of guidelines and best practices for hospitals and health systems throughout the Commonwealth on identifying and responding to patients who are suspected of being exploited by human traffickers. This work, I will say, has been really an eye-opening experience for me, and I will confess that hearing some of the accounts of clinicians like Bonnie who encounter these patients has been shocking and, and disturbing. And as a parent, these stories are really unsettling and downright scary. Given that human trafficking is, is an emerging global public health threat, Bonnie, you're front and center on some of the work to combat this horrible crime of, of forced labor and forced commercial sex. What should people who aren't familiar with this issue know about uh, the depravity of human trafficking? I think the number one community awareness point that I would like to make is that it it is happening in your area. Um, So frequently, uh, after we do presentations, people will come up to me and say, I had no idea it happened in, in my community. It is happening in our community. I think the second thing that's important to know is that Many of the patients who report to us being victims of human trafficking are from this country. Oftentimes, people think that it's like it's portrayed in the movies, foreign nationals, and that does happen, don't get me wrong, but we also see many of the victims being from this country, 
and the traffickers may be their own family members. That really is important information, and that was one of the things that surprised me about this as well, because going into this work on this this initiative, that was my default assumption going in as well. And so it really is, as I said, eye-opening to learn that uh, this is happening and you know, it could be happening right around the corner and in, in, in local communities and people are otherwise unaware of it. So that's that's really good information. We're recording this episode during the first week of September. Earlier this week, VHHA released the latest issue of our review magazine, which is available on our website at www.vhha.com. The new edition focuses on human trafficking and it includes patient stories as well as coverage of laws enacted in Virginia over the past several years to enhance support for human trafficking survivors and to toughen criminal penalties for people who exploit others. Bonnie, I know you've been very active um, both on the clinical side and on sort of the policy advocacy side. From your perspective, what other state law or policy changes would be helpful in the fight against human trafficking? I think we've made some really great strides in Virginia, and I think we have more room to grow, to be honest with you. And I think that's true across the country. We need more research about how do people become victims of human trafficking and then how to care for them and provide counseling services for them after they leave that life. So I think there's more research that needs to be done. As far as laws go, last year in Virginia, they had a recommendation that a statewide human trafficking coordinator be hired, and that person has been hired. So I am looking forward to the work that can be done now that, as a state, we can collaborate on the work. Prior to that, the work was more siloed and communities were doing the best they could. But now that we have someone that I think can help bring us all together, uh, I'm hoping to see even more progress in this year coming. And then the other area I would like to see additional resources or or effort put toward is prevention. So educating uh, our children in the schools about what human trafficking is so they don't become victims. Those are all great points, and I know that among the laws that have been enacted, there has been some language added about instruction in this area in schools, although I've heard from different clinicians uh, indication that it's perhaps uh, not uniform uh, across the state and and different districts may be approaching it different ways. Uh, So that's certainly something that could uh, perhaps have some additional clarity brought to it. One thing that people can do to support the Bon Secours Forensic Nursing Program is to participate in the upcoming 2019 Wine, Women, and Shoes fundraising event on October 27th. I'm actually planning to volunteer at the event, which is a fun time for a noble cause. Bonnie, can you tell people how they can get involved with this event? Absolutely. So one way to learn more about the event is to go online to the website. If you look up Bon Secours Wine, Women, and Shoes 2019, uh, you will find a great deal of information about the event. And uh, if you would like to volunteer and help us out, there are links on the website for that as well. And uh, Julian, you'll be one of our shoe guys. So for those out there uh, who'd like to support one of our shoe guys, you'd be a great choice. (laughs) Well, after uh, that serious conversation, we'll close with a little more lighthearted question. It's one that we ask all of our guests on the Patients Come First podcast, and it's one that we borrow from a popular BBC program. The question is this, Bonnie, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book, 
one album and one movie would you take with you? And we will spot you a copy of the religious text of your choice. So other than your preferred religious text, what one book, one movie, and one album would you take with you to keep yourself company? Um, that's a, a, a tough one. Um, so far, as far as books go, I enjoy uh, reading things from the Dalai Lama. Indeed, I'm very happy. But what does happiness mean to a Buddhist such as the Dalai Lama? I usually describe happiness in the sense more satisfaction. Happiness not necessarily some pressure, pleasure sort of experience, but neutral sort of experience can bring deep satisfaction. Um, I am currently um, trying to learn more about mindfulness and meditation, so uh, books regarding that I think are of interest to me. Movies. I'm a big Jane Austen fan, so anything that um, Jane Austen did, Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice. Miss Elizabeth. I thought you were in London. No. No, I'm not. No. No, I we came back a day early, early some you're... business with my steward. Yeah. I'm in Devonshire with my aunt and uncle. And now you're having a pleasant trip? Very pleasant. Um, when we were talking about the, the trauma of the work, when I've had a tough day, I go home and put on um, a good Jane Austen movie and kind of lose myself. As far as albums go or music, I listen to a variety uh, of everything. I like rock, country, some of the pop stuff. Um, and then there are times when I want some quiet classical music to kind of slow my pace down. So I like it all. Okay. Well, eclecticism is not a bad thing. And with that, that's going to bring us to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and subscribe so you'll know when new episodes are released. And if you or someone you know is being trafficked, please contact the National Human Trafficking Hotline. That phone number is 1-888-373-7884. Thank you for being with us today, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. 